When we started this season of the podcast, we were coming off what was arguably the greatest six-month stretch ever for IPOs. Even then, though, it felt like companies were being dragged into the process. As we spoke to folks across the investment spectrum, analysts, venture capitalists, and academics, there was a clear distaste for the way companies go public. Here's NYU's Aswath Demodaran. The IPO process is broken because at least the traditional process of you go to an investment banker, he does a pricing, he does a roadshow, then you do this little dance where you price the stock at about 15 or 20% below, and then you all walk away happy. Those days are done. Nobody's happy with the IPO process. Sure enough, as the pandemic shook up our existing institutions and ways of life, we also saw companies craving alternatives to the traditional IPO. SPACs and direct listings fit the bill. So as we get back to some semblance of normalcy, will old habits return? I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback from Barron's. This season, we're winding back the clock and unraveling the stories of the companies behind the biggest and most fascinating IPOs to answer a key question. How do we put a price on innovation? Today, on the final episode of our IPO season, going public in a reopened world. The IPO market is always a moving target. In the three months since we started this season of The Readback, new listings have gone from red hot. I mean, I guess there's just an incredible appetite right now for hot, sexy IPOs. To frigid. Is the SPAC spigot drying up? It clearly looks like it. To something in between. When we talked back in February, we were at a really a peak of returns and a very high activity in the IPO market. That's Kathleen Smith, co-founder of Renaissance Capital and manager of the firm's IPO Focus ETF, which tracks a basket of newly public stocks. Sure enough, our first interview with Kathleen happened to coincide with a near-term top in the IPO market. We hit a speed bump in this, and it particularly hit the technology companies. And up through about February, the beginning of this year, our index was up 14%. And in 2020, it was up 100%. So as our attorneys always say, and we put a disclosure on our website, they're unusually high returns. Don't expect all, you know, that kind of return to continue. And it did not. The downturn wasn't really about IPOs. Instead, new listings got swept up in a broader shift for the market. Investors went from looking for growth opportunities in high-tech stocks to seeking out value in steadier areas like industrials and financials. And it was mainly because of growing concerns around inflation. Obviously, the market is worried about inflation, and it doesn't matter what the Fed or the Treasury Secretary says. It's the old sell in May and go away. As interest rates head higher, or investors just worry about them going higher, companies with fast growth become less attractive. That's because the higher interest rates go, the less valuable future profits are in today's dollars. It was felt particularly hard in the world of SPACs, which, as we've talked about, tend to focus around companies built for the future. Companies with lots of current profits don't tend to seek out SPACs. Generally, inflation meant less appetite for risk. SPACs are most notably affected, and any weak companies were, we saw some companies pulled, and a a bit of a slowdown. And, and in fact, returns for 
tech types of companies being weak. Meanwhile, the IPOs that came out for consumer discretionary and industrial companies, they did well. So the market at least was still operating, but the type of companies that investors were wanting to look at had changed. Investors took out their new aversion to risk on the IPO market. And there was one other issue with IPOs. I would say the other sub-trend happening at the same time was the reopening of the economy post-COVID and the fact that many tech companies or digital companies really benefited during COVID. Companies were working remotely. There's a lot of businesses that needed to accelerate their technology. So we had that happening at the same time, which I think hit. But yes, it's about technology companies, emerging growth, whether they're newly public or not, but newly public tend to be that ilk. Investors in the IPO market tend to buy growth companies. They tend to be the favored segment of the IPO market. But after a surge in rates, bond yields have come back off their highs. And that's given investors permission to dip their toes back in riskier waters. I think this year is going to be known as the year of the very large IPO. You know, so far this year, 14 IPOs have raised a billion or more. We have four SPACs raising a billion or more. That's bigger than any other time. And even though we've had this sort of hiccup in the returns, the dollars raised between SPACs and the IPO market are unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it. So what does it all mean for the companies that haven't yet gone public? If you're still a large private company, there may be no better time to go public than now. The IPO market isn't as hot as it was in late 2020, but stocks are still near records, which makes it a good time for an IPO. And no one knows when the good feelings will end. There are some companies that may look like WeWork that have a lot of funding but still don't have enough evidence of this profitability, near-term profitability. And even in this very welcoming market, the regular way IPO market is still more discerning about the kinds of companies that can tap the market. And that's probably kept some of the unicorns in their stalls. Eventually, they'll have to go public too. Companies like Stripe, SpaceX, TikTok parent ByteDance, Instacart, and Robinhood. Robinhood, the mobile app that pioneered commission-free trading, is more than just a future IPO candidate, though. It's actually likely to change the very way IPOs play out going forward. Robinhood has been the main outlet for the meme stock movement that has exploded in 2021. New investors have turned to the app to buy and sell, though mostly buy, companies like GameStop and AMC Entertainment. And those same investors are likely to use the platform when hot companies like SpaceX and Stripe go public. Not to mention the shares of Robinhood itself. Just this month, Robinhood announced its IPO access platform. Robinhood talks a lot about democratizing the stock market. They're moving on to the IPO market this morning. The start of saying... Which promises to give its retail investors the ability to get in at the IPO price. It's hard to underestimate what that change could mean. Allocations of IPOs have traditionally been reserved for wealthy clients at big Wall Street banks. It's one more tool Robinhood has to recruit new investors. And generally, who can complain about bringing more people into the fold? But there will be growing pains, and probably some hard lessons to be learned in the process, for both investors and Robinhood itself. 
would you expect that ability for Robinhood account holders to buy shares of a Robinhood IPO to add to the volatility of the first day of trading for Robinhood? It could cause more volatility. It's a, you know, when you offer shares, in this case, these are investors who should be somewhat knowledgeable. But if you offer shares, in the case of Uber, they offered a choice for Uber drivers. You can have a certain $1,000 of shares or $1,000 in cash if you had been an Uber driver for so long. And most of them took cash. That knowledge can be hard to come by. That's because the rules around IPOs in many cases remain archaic particularly when it comes to disclosure, according to venture capitalist Albert Wenger. If you dial the clock back a little bit, you know, when a lot of our existing securities regulation was drafted, which is in the 1930s, to publish something was very expensive, like to put out an annual report and a quarterly report and all of that stuff was expensive. It cost real money. You had to use real paper and printers. You had to put that somewhere. You had to get it delivered and all of those things. Today, we can make electronic data available at the push of a button, but we haven't availed ourselves of that in the regulatory regime. IPO regulation isn't easy, though, as we talked about in our first episode of the season. In fact, the recent efforts to fix the IPO have arguably made the process even less transparent. We have you know, changed the rules under the Jobs Act so that you could shorten up the number of years of disclosure. It used to be you had to have three. Now we're down to two. Other things like how fast we get the information, this confidential filing, it's not not great. That That's not an open process. Accredited investors are doing test the waters, but the rest of the crowd, the Robin Hood crowd, whoever, aren't seeing that information. There are lots of efforts to democratize finance, including IPOs, but the lack of information is holding everything back. And the stakes are higher than ever in part because of the new dynamics spurred by COVID shutdowns. Many of us reduced our physical risk during the pandemic by staying home and socially distanced. According to the science, it was a rational response. But our risk-taking ultimately needed a new outlet, and the financial markets were the perfect fit. Robinhood. Robinhood has surged in popularity during the coronavirus pandemic. Reddit. A new generation of investors using their phones and communicating on Reddit are creating chaos on Wall Street and also exposing potential flaws in our financial system. GameStop. GameStop shares almost quadrupled. Nearly 20... IPOs, SPACs, crypto, they're all related to the same thing. Satisfying our appetite for risk. One of the pandemic's legacies will be how everyday folks rediscovered the stock market. For better or for worse. Those folks need information to make the best decisions. The good news is it all exists. And Kathleen Smith sees a way to get at it. So basically, let information be out there. That could solve a lot of or any remaining issues around leveling the playing field. And that, that is where the playing field is not level at all. It's one thing to play the IPO market like a game or stocks like a game. At least stocks have required disclosure regular when you're already out there. But the IPOs... The disclosure is not the same, and it's uneven when it comes to the type of investor. And also, you don't get a lot of time. So those are the things that I think it'd be nice to work on. We have plenty of optional ways to go public. We're just, the, it's the information flow. And there's always a thing about, why don't we have more research? Well, information is the basis for research. 
So research comes in all shapes and sizes. We know it could be a blog, it can be a podcast. It's based on the information available and the ability to talk about it, to interact about it. The evolution of the IPO will never be complete. That much we know. And it's likely to always be a process no one is entirely happy with. Going public isn't all that different from growing up. It comes with some aches and pains, but it also offers new perspectives and opportunities. We might as well make the best of it. Thanks for listening to The Readback. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back. Either way, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadback at barons.com. Thanks to Aswath DeModeran, Kathleen Smith, and Albert Winger. For more coverage on IPOs, you can check out barons.com. I'm Alex Yule. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzoft and Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. And special thanks this season to Sean Luttrell, Laura Salaberry, Rebecca Bisdale, Shana Mishkin, Brian Price, and Bob Rose. And thanks again to my family for their endless patience as I recorded these episodes from home. This is the last episode of this season of The Readback. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back soon with a peek at what our next season has in store.